Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, people of all ages, we proudly bring to you at a Studio 212 out of the heart of Seattle, Washington, on the Soundcasting Network. This is Physical Culture Radio. I'm your dopest host with the most, Greg Jones, at Coach Greg Jones, Instagram and Facebook, along with my super dope host, Chris Edmonds, lead Mount Dog diet trainer and gym owner himself. Chris, how are you doing today? Uh, doing really well, man. How about yourself? Uh, pretty good. Not too bad. I um, have some definitely going into 2019 with some momentum in my training, working through uh, some issues, body issues and some injuries and working hard with a couple uh, active release guys and chiropractors. Uh, how about you? How's your training going? For sure. Um, as, as you and I kind of talked this week, um, my the chiropractor that I go to, she actually was talking about how when she was doing a body scan on me that my lower left leg was actually really bound on itself. And how I noticed it, it kind of reared its head through when I woke up in the morning, like where the arch of my foot connects to my heel was really tight. And so okay. I asked her about it and she's like, oh man, your entire lower left leg is actually compressed on itself. Um you're going to need to get that fixed. So the guy I go to for shiatsu massage, his name is uh, David Atkins, who is an absolute master of the body. Um, he, the best way I can describe him, he, he's a 300-pound Samoan um, who has hands like a catcher's mitt. And wow. uh, he knows how to get deep tissue. So uh, I, I, I played football against a lot of those type guys. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're, mean, tough to, they're tough to go through. <laughs> Oh, God, yeah. He will crush me. Um, yeah. So what he did on Saturday for me is we spent about an hour and 15 minutes. He uh, completely cleared up that left leg because I was having some, like, my left quad was getting tight, which led into feeling some soreness in my quad tendon. Um, and then, I could, like I told you, I, I'd felt that spot in my ankle or, I guess, in the yeah. bottom of my foot. And um, so he, he cleared all that up for me and flushed that out. And then, I, you know, always my – I get him to work on my back some, and uh, he completely stripped my left erector, low trap, and mid trap on my left side. And he literally said to me, he's like, this is going to be pretty fucked up for a few days. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was on Saturday, and um, you know, typically I train my heavy, hardest back day on Monday, and that just wasn't possible. Um, that The best way I can describe what it feels like after he would strip one of my muscles is – the most extreme soreness you've ever had. And like, wow. you can't even fire or contract it. Like it hurts to touch. Um, and it was like really inflamed. Uh, and I have to pound like tons and tons of water and just rest it and ice it. And so that means what, what, what that means for my training week is, you know, I had to reorder everything. So typically my split looks like I'll do heavy uh, back, which is primarily all rowing and progressive overload on Monday. Um, I'll do chest and shoulders on Tuesday. I'll take Wednesday off. I'll hit uh, legs on Thursday. I'll do a back pump day on Friday. And then on Saturday, I'll train arms and then take Sundays off. Or if I'm really feeling into it, on Sundays, I'll go train glutes. Um, so what did that do to my week? Well, I just simply moved um, chest and shoulders to Monday, put back on Tuesday because by then it was fully re healed and repaired. And I uh, kept my off day on Wednesday, trained legs on Thursday. So that meant today I was supposed to hit my second back day. And instead of that, I just kind of reordered my split a little bit. So today I ended up doing chest, shoulders, and triceps. And tomorrow on Saturday, I'll attack um, a back and bicep day. So And then I'll take Sunday off and hit back 
fully ready back to my normal split on Monday. So right. the reason I shared that with you guys is, you know, if you experience things like that or an injury or you're sore from a massage or you can just tell your muscles aren't fully recovered, you don't have to be a slave to your split. It's not set in stone. Modify on right. the go. As we talked about with the programming, be instinctual. Be smart. Like I, I could have on Monday easily trained chest and shoulders or I could have done legs if I wanted to. Um, because both those muscles, all, all of those muscles were ready to go. Um, but my back was not. So instead of most people, I think, just say, fuck it and take the day off, like, let's still train because I, in my mind, the more nutrients I get on a training day, my nutrition has more calories in it. I get recovery factor. Um, I get all those good pre workout and intra workout supplements. So to me, it's silly not to go ahead and train. Just reorder your split if your muscles are still sore. Right. You know, I've, I, I, You've brought up this point before, and um, I've sometimes listened. I've sometimes have not, but the body will give you feedback, guys. On you know, if your hips or back or your shoulder or you're overtraining and you feel lethargic, you lack energy. If everything else has been considered, you're eating good. You know your 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 hormones are in balance, and you know you're not spinning your wheels there. Everything else equal. You, you, you have to look at the, when you train hard, you bind up the body. You're, you're literally tearing down muscle tissue and creating lots of micro tears every time you work out. When the body restructures this, it restructures it tight. Things go awry. You, you know, uh, vertebra become sublexed. You can have different connective tissue start to get, get overuse stuff. You have imbalances in the body. You have compensations in the body. What we've found through years and years of training, and I'm in my 40s, Chris is in his 30s. After a while, and you're not training like a silly teenager or someone in their early 20s that can just ignore how they train um, and the repercussions of that. As you get older, and even in into your later 20s, the body really gives you feedback. The problem is when you're young, you just don't listen to that feedback. But nope. it gives you feedback. And as you get older, if you don't listen to that feedback, like for you, it was literally compressing and your plantar fascia was flared up. Now, whether and, and I was going to ask you, but whether this was a fascial problem or a specific joint that ran down the chain or multi-joint kind of an issue or muscular imbalance issue or whatever the cause was, it, it, it's really irrelevant. You got to you got to treat these problems and not ignore them and listen to the body because what happens is if you don't listen to the body, then you can, you can tear things and yep. people have torn hamstrings all the time. People have torn Achilles tendons, triceps, chest, all kinds of different things. A lot of times you're ignoring the symptoms that pop up and, 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 and not listening to the feedback that your body gives you when these problems happen. And, um, so if, if you, if you take that critical look at your feedback system, your nervous system, your muscle system, your energy systems, digestion, everything considered, pay attention to it, seek out experts. You know, I, Chris and I both really believe in massage, whether it's active release, deep tissue, shiatsu, the different forms, um, acupuncture, puncture, acupressure, um, and chiropractic, uh, I'm a big believer in uh, chiropractic. I I feel yep. like my from football and both Chris and I were you know football players for like 15 years. 
um, your, your, your neck gets jacked up, your lower back gets jacked up, lifting weights jacks you up in, in general, the heavier you've gone or go will start to, you know, rear its, you know, ugly head and, and how it affects your body later in life. Just ask some of the biggest, most jacked bodybuilders out there. Um, the prime example being Ronnie Coleman, who, (laughs) who was one of the strongest bodybuilders ever and competed in powerlifting as I did early in my career in his and got super duper strong. Um, and you know, probably his body gave him lots of feedback and he probably competed five years too long, but he didn't listen to the, you know, what was going on with his body. And then he just started tearing up his back and to the point where I don't even think, I don't know if he walking again. I don't even know the, I think after this most recent, I think over this most recent surgery uh, that he has went through, this is the most pain-free he's been in a long time and kind of is kind of working normal. Um, And you know, what's funny. You say that like, my knees in my whole life have been pretty damn bulletproof. Um, yeah. And I mean, I, I sink hack squats and leg press pretty low, um, especially hack right. squats and regular like barbell squats. So I'm going to do it. And I have no knee issues. So I always know when I start to get a little quad tendon tenderness, like something is wrong in that kinetic chain from my foot to my hip somewhere. Um, so... That and then when the chiropractor confirmed it, I'm like, you know, I'm not gonna waste any time. We're gonna. I, I immediately called the called David's office as soon as I left her office, and I was like, when's the earliest you can get me in? <laughs> yeah. So I'm just not gonna sacrifice being in pain when I know an hour and a half of treatment with him is gonna fix it. You know, just yeah. Not doing it. So our topic today, guys, in episode number seven is drugs and performance-enhancing drugs in in physique sports. We can go into athletics a little bit because I think a lot of this started off a lot um, heavily in athletics before it even got into physique sports. Um, but when when talking about drugs in sport um, and physique sport uh, specifically, getting on stage, uh, you're talking about uh, anabolic, androgenic. Um, steroids and steroids are all some derivatives of testosterone. So the, the main chain uh, being a testosterone uh, ester. And then at the end of the molecule, they change a certain component of this ester and it gets different properties. There are oral uh, 17 alkylated um, androgenic anabolic steroids, orals, uh, which are a little bit harder on the body and harder on the liver because it double passes through your body. Um, and then injectables that are obviously injected in the body. Um, some of these subcutaneously, some of these, uh, intramuscularly. I have actually heard recently that people are doing testosterone sub sub Q too. Have you heard anything about that? Yeah. I've, I've, I've actually (laughs) know a handful of people that are doing that and it just blows my mind. Why would you would do? I don't. Yeah, know why you would yeah. Do that. It doesn't. It doesn't seem like it'd be uh, f- as effective. But I guess you're still getting it in the system. So you know, I, I don't want to talk about that because I don't know a whole lot about it. I just know people are doing that now. But um, along with those, you know, the the uh, steroids, you have fat burners, and you have pharmacological fat burners. Uh, you've got peptides which are your mechanical mechano growth factor, your IGF 
one, your um, growth hormone peptides. There's different kinds of growth hormone releasing peptides, uh, numbered sequence. There's there's just a crap load of freaking peptides these days. There's like you can get <laughs> yeah. all. There's like a, all these different numbers and acronyms and and things for you know uh, soft tissue building, things for muscle building, things for growth, things for you know body fat loss. Um, and, and, and we know some of them, we don't know all of them. And there's a lot of, you know, mixed information and mixed research. And, um, so we'll go into that at a later date as well. Uh, and then diuretics, uh, a lot of men and women take diuretics. Diuretics are popular for weight cuts. Um, MMA fighters and jujitsu, you know, pro, a lot of people do it to make weight and then they'll, you know, They'll put water and they'll take IVs and rehydrate up after they've lost lost the weight to to make a weight cut. Um, for bodybuilders and for physique sports, people take those drugs to get rid of all the subcutaneous water, um, and so their muscles can be more defined and they can show off a real hard and dry physique on stage come contest time at the end of the uh, peak week, and. Uh, so first off, what is your what is your thoughts on uh, drug use, Coach Chris? And how do you feel they are used, they are abused? What is your uh, uh, first take on, on on the subject in general? Of course, my my first thought is this. It's pretty fucking simple. Um, a lot of people use drugs as a mask for their lack of balls and knowledge. So what does that mean? Um, you can take a shitty training program and lack of heart in training and throw a bunch of drugs at it and you're going to get results. Um, if you eat a sh- relatively shitty diet, you can throw a bunch of drugs at it and get away with things in the short term um, with how you look. Meaning, if you have tons of clin and T3, you can eat fast food and still be relatively lean for the most part. If you're coupling that with, say, growth hormone and three or four other compounds. So it it actually pisses me off because I feel like in today's time, that's everyone's first topic about bodybuilding is drugs. And I feel like when I started bodybuilding, back when I was in my early 20s, the topic was training and diet. And that was first and foremost with bodybuilding. Now in this age, everyone wants to know the drugs and the protocols and, you know, how many milligrams of this or how many grams of that and the timing and when do I shoot my growth hormone? And that's what kids concern themselves with these days. They don't concern themselves with hard training and how to maximally benefit their bodies through nutrition. And it fucking pisses me off. Like it makes me angry. Um, Because just like over the counter supplements, testosterone alone does not build muscle. I can't sit my ass on the couch and shoot a grandma test and grow. I need a training stimulus and I need food to repair and recover and grow tissue. So to me, it doesn't make fucking sense. Um, And yes, I'm cursing a lot because I'm super passionate about this. Uh, It it makes me angry and I don't understand it. Um, Yes. I know the drug component's cool. I know it's cool for young kids to talk about how many grams they shoot a fucking week. 
Um, just like when kids in high school, they talk about how drunk they got on the weekend after a football game. Like I never right. got that then. And I don't understand it now. Like yeah. drugs are a byproduct and something I use to get to the next level, not the standalone of what makes someone a good bodybuilder. And right. it just makes me angry because if you think about what drugs are used for, and that's what I'm getting ready to get into, um, it, it they don't just work by themselves. You need a training stimulus. You need a lot of protein uh, and carbohydrates and fat to back up the growth. If you yeah. don't do that, they're not going to work, um, which is why it really pisses me off when I hear people say, oh, I could be as big as fill in the blank, uh, Ronnie Coleman, Jay Cutler, Phil Heath, if I use the amount of drugs they do. It's bullshit. No, you can't. You aren't willing to train <laughs> for the years it took to get that big. You aren't that strong. You aren't genetically gifted like they right. are. That's not going to be you. It's, you're full of shit. First of all, those kids typically don't train hard, and it's an excuse for um, their lack of work ethic and their ability to stick to a meal plan or eat when they're not hungry. Um, it's easy to scapegoat drugs. And I, I'm not gonna, about to pick on natural organizations, but you know, it's always interesting to me when I see all these natural athletes talk about being natural and all this crazy shit. Nine times out of ten, if you're a natural bodybuilder, I already know. I'm not an idiot. It's just a look you have. When people are enhanced, it's a different look. Um it just is. I don't care what anybody. There's a few exceptions to that um, right. over the course of bodybuilding history. There's a f handful of exceptions. But for the most part, if you go to, say, a local OCB show or NABA or MuscleMania, it's not like a, a national level show at an NPC that you're going to see. It's just two different body types. Right. Um, and, and listen, it's not a knock against anyone. It's just the facts. It's the truth. Um, so now that that's over, let me get into wh why you would take these. Um, what would they do? How are they going to affect my body? Um, so the biggest thing to me is they improve protein synthesis. So what does that mean? It means my body can assimilate and pro process higher levels of protein and make you grow at a faster rate. That's why I'm, even if you're natural or enhanced, I believe in a high protein diet. It's the way I was raised. All yeah. the bodybuilders in the 90s and early 2000s ate a shitload of protein. Seven, eight, 10, 12 ounces of meat at a serving, you know, two to three cups of egg whites, three scoops of protein powder. Um, and now those amounts depend on how much lean muscle tissue you have and how big you want to get. Um, so and and, and contrary, it, just to interject real quick, contrary to yeah. popular belief, guys, there's a misnomer out there that people think that excessive amounts of protein are going to damage the kidneys. That's not true. If you have impaired kidney function, one of the precautions is eating excessive protein. If your kidneys are impaired, if is if your kidneys are fine, you can eat as much within reason, uh, as much protein, you know, one to two to three grams per pound of lean body mass or body weight, um, and, and not have any kidney issues or, or, or kidney malfunctions uh, by eating a high-protein diet. So just, just kind of clear that up real quick Good. and go ahead, Chris. Yeah, all this garbage of people saying you can only assimilate 20 grams of protein in, in a uh, given sitting, that's, that's ludicrous. Right. Um, the subjects that they were tested on are 150-pound string beans who don't exercise hard. You can't right. compare that to a 240-pound bodybuilder who trains his balls all six days a week. Yeah. The testing and the research that stands behind that is not the same. So yeah. I don't care what anybody says. If it, Our ancestors and us being cavemen killed animals and ate the whole fucking thing before it went bad. Right. I have a feeling that they ate more than 20 grams of protein in a serving. So my body is genetically modified to 
ingest large amounts of protein. Absolutely. There's a correlation between men who smash tons of meat and the size of them. You look at a vegan. Show me a vegan who's a, who's a monster bodybuilder or just a big person in general that carries a lot of muscle tissue. I've yet to see them. And if so, there's an exception. They aren't and, the normal. And people would argue that animal fats cause disease in the body when in fact it's bad fats, trans fat, hydrogenated fats, different kinds of vegetable oils and processed carbs that cause inflammation and atherosclerosis and the calcification in the arteries. It's not, it's not animal fat per se. They're coming around with their theory on eggs, with animal fat. It, that doesn't cause heart disease. And the, what doctors felt and doctors in the 80s, there was this big non-fat thing that got really popular and they just turned a bunch of people into a bunch of fucking diabetics. It was the worst thing ever <laughs> that happened in the 80s. It was it was fat-free. Everything was fat-free this and fat-free that and had tons of fucking processed carbs and 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 you know, shitty proteins and I it just it made me sick to see this because they were literally causing an epidemic uh outbreak and diabetes in kids and, and, and young adults with this, you know, kind of emphasis that they had where it was completely ill-conceived and not research-backed. And then now it's come around, a lot of the research has said this, this stuff does not cause these issues. And in fact, you can have a high-fat diet. In fact, you can have a high-protein diet, and it's not going to inherently cause those problems. So... Another reason why you should get grass-fed beef and omega-3 uh, cage-free eggs, but that's a whole other topic for the nutrition. Um, yeah. So the next thing they really do, in my opinion, is they drastically improve performance and recovery. So what does that mean? If I'm, I, It's going to make you stronger. It's going to make your muscles bigger. It's going to let them fire at a faster rate and be more explosive because you have more lean muscle tissue. Um, and then for recovery, it's going to speed that drastically. So right. if you're normal, if, if you, say, if you train, if you train, right, yes. if you provide the <laughs> stimulus, so it's not going to yeah. do that inherently. You just tank, you don't take those and start jumping through the roof. You got to, <laughs> right. <laughs> you got to do your jump training and take those to get the results from the recovery from the hormones. They don't inherently make you jump higher, make you lift heavier or make muscle, you know, grow on your bones like crazy. So the stimulus does that. It enhances the recovery. And and a lot of people don't get that philosophy that all these different compounds do is help recover the body quicker from the training and the overload that we that we uh, put on it. So Yep. And I mean to me, if you aren't getting improved performance markers, if you aren't getting inc- improved recovery, you should look into your sourcing. Um right. especially if you're one of those people who use underground stuff like that's just me being honest. If you aren't getting crazy stronger, meaning you're jumping weight pretty drastically week to week, month to month, and over the course of the year, your quality is very, very poor. Um, yep. The next thing uh, is aerobic threshold. And that's something that is very rarely talked about as far as um, performance enhancing drugs are talking talking about. And I'm going to speak specifically for uh, clenbuterol. Um when you take that, and most people use it for fat burning, but a cool side effect of it is it drastically improves your VO2 max, meaning your recovery between sets. Let's say if you do a hard set of squats, a typical recovery for you is two minutes. 
it yeah. takes it to about 30 seconds. If I'm on the Stairmaster and a normal level 8 on a Stairmaster gets my heart rate between 130 and 140, I promise you after a couple weeks of clean at 40 to 80 micrograms per day, you're going to have to bump that to a level 8 or 10 to get that heart rate to the same level because you're just going to be in better cardiovascular shape. So not only does it burn fat, but it helps you get in better cardiovascular shape and enables you to train harder and longer, meaning you can get more volume done in a shorter amount of time because your rest periods aren't as long. And you know that's what we always advise our clients to do is you start your next working set once your heart rate has reached near normal. Well, if you're on clean pre-contest, that rest time can be drastically shortened um, and produce the same level of output. So another cool side effect um, of a performance enhancing drug. Um, You will definitely build lean tissue um, at a faster rate. You will tear through fat at a more rapid rate. You'll be leaner, typically on more food. Um, And again, that's if you're doing everything that I talked about at the beginning. If you're training hard and following on a nutrition plan properly, you're able to do more work and get more results. So right. that's why they're so effective, guys. Um, I, that's that's why it works. And, um, yeah, and clenbuterol specifically was originally intended to treat asthma. It's a bronchodilator. And yeah. it, it what, what they found is a side effect of people taking it for that purpose is it aided in weight loss and it built lean body mass over time. Yeah. And high, yeah, so it, it over time, it builds muscle. And it stimulates both the heart and the central nervous system. It has a similar effect on the body as epinephrine and amphetamines, but it, it's a beta-2 agonist, which is the opposite of a beta blocker. So while a beta blocker will reduce the production of epinephrine and norepinephrine, clenbuterol increases it. So it basically stimulates the body and makes things run hotter and increases the metabolism. Is that correct? Yep. And, yeah. That's assuming? A, yep. Yeah. And yeah. I've, I've yet to see someone take clen. And not love it if you now some people get weirded out because their heart rate may get a little higher. Um, but at first, it, at first, you, it makes it gives a lot of people the shakes. At first, your body, yeah, it takes a while for your body to get a little bit used to it, and then it also attenuates and gets used to it very quickly. But once yep. you get first that through that first little, well, it's just like somebody drinking a real strong. Who you know, people say certain people say they're super sensitive to caffeine. They take a no dose or they take an energy drink and they're flying off the walls. Um, and then other people drink coffee all the time and it's fine and they get an energy boost, but it's not making them. So depending on your sensitivity, it is going to give you a little, it definitely may, increases your metabolism, makes you run hotter and is yep. kind of has a stimulant action for sure. Yeah. Hands down. Yeah. Um, the next thing uh, you'll find with some of these uh, compounds or peptides is improved hunger, um, especially if we're talking about, like, I've yet to see somebody run EQ and not be off the wall hungry. I've yet to see someone that takes GHRP6 and not want to eat their arm at the one hour mark of their next meal. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, listen, if it, if it all stems from how much food we can eat and how hard we can train, if you take one of those two that I just talked about, um, it's going to improve your hunger, which goes back to my first point was improved protein synthesis, which means you can eat more food, which means you're going to grow at a faster rate. So right. all about programming. When I speak about programming, about drug programming, drug protocols um, is, is an art in itself. Um, and then the last thing here I have on our list is there's a mental factor, man. It, it, it makes people feel more alpha is what I have. <laughs> um, if you're bigger and you're stronger and 
you know, there's, there's this whole thing about, you know, people talk about roid rage and all this stuff. Like, I, I don't buy into that. I think that steroids just make your personality more heightened. So if you're an asshole, you're a big fucking asshole in drugs. If you are pretty strong, natural, you're going to be super strong when you put drugs in the equation. Um, it just heightens everything. Um, and, you know, sadly, I think a lot of guys depend upon uh, steroids as a crutch to train hard. So when they're not any, on them, any like shit. <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. The, when, when they aren't on them, they don't train as hard. They don't tack the weights as hard because they don't think they can make any progress. And, and that's just not the case. If anything, I would argue you need to train your smartest and hardest when you're off or on TRT doses to maintain everything you did during a blast. My goal during a downtime of drugs is to maintain what I acquired. And then when I start back, I want to build new territory. So right. there's definitely a mental factor. I don't care. Anybody says, you know, a lot of guys believe, you know, that they refuse to take a shot outside of that one hour pre-lift. They take that, they go into the gym, they destroy it. Um, and there, and, and there's some, and I don't know how, you know, how much of that's placebo effect or um, what that is, but there's some, there's some definite science behind that. I, I believe in it. Um, it does make you more aggressive in terms of the compounds you take. You know, a lot of people will talk about like taking Halo two or three weeks pre-contest and their weights go up and they're hitting PRs. And it's because it makes you aggressive and mean as hell. Um, are so you talking about halotestin, the oral? Yeah. Yeah. Oral yes, 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 yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, it makes you want to rip people's face off. You know, some people talk about that with like Masteron. Um, you know, I think sometimes people refer to that with trend because you're so fucking irritable because you can't sleep at night. Um, right. <laughs> you know, there, there's that special combo at the end of Masteron, Trin, and uh, Halo, and you just want to rip the gym apart. Um, so there's a mental factor to it, and I really believe in that. So um, that kind of leads me into, um, you know, do's and don'ts, things, are, things we recommend to clients. Um, if you're starting into this and, and you're and it's new to you uh start small you know yeah don't come out of the gate with a gram of test and um three or four compounds and growth and insulin um there's no need to do that start with the least that you see results off of which i always like to recommend to people roughly 400 to 500 megs a test a week for your first cycle maybe to jump start that you could start with um some super draw or some D ball to kind of kick that cycle first cycle off um, with an oral, but you don't necessarily need that. Um, a nice cycle of tests to start and kind of gauge your progress off of that. I've seen guys gain 20 pounds of lean tissue over the course of um, the first year, just on test alone. Um, so all the people out there reading the internet boards and the Boston Lloyd protocols don't, don't start there because it's like with anything in life, um, if you play your hand all at once, you can only grow so fast. Right. So what I want to think about is, you know, just like a pre-contest bodybuilder, I don't want to start them on zero carbs and two hours of cardio a day. Cause then I have nowhere to go. Start with a little and then just add some as you go. So when you kind of reach a peak, then we look to, um, add something in, whether that be some EQ or some DECA or, you know, do you need an antiestrogen? Uh, if your goal is mass gaining, like look to do those small increment changes first. And that's where you're going to see the most long-term progress. 
don't jump in the deep end and take everything that a seasoned veteran competitor who's been using drugs for 10 years does. You don't need that. Um, the next thing, um, go ahead. And if, if you look throughout the history in, in sports science and sports doping, um, a lot of people were give a lot of athletes, you know, were given compounds so they could, you know, withstand the rigors of Olympic training and their country's national training, which they would train, you know, anywhere from four to eight hours a day. It's a full-time job. And they would be given these compounds to recover. Uh, They didn't, they didn't pay as close attention to the side effects uh, as they do now. And now everybody, all the doctors are kind of well-versed in what to look for. So even if you're a bodybuilder and just working with a coach and doing this stuff for like, you need to look out for your markers of everything, your cholesterol. One of the things, like one of the side effects of using anabolic androgenic steroids is your HDL goes down. And especially if you use orals, HDL is the cardioprotective important cholesterol that you actually want high. When that when your HDL dips below forty and gets into the, like the tens or the twenties, you you don't have that cardioprotective uh, lipoprotein in your body anymore. You have suboptimal levels. The only and 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 orals are notorious for doing this to people. So you got to pay attention when you take these compounds. Where your red red blood cells at? Where your liver enzymes at? Where is your cholesterol at? Where is your HDL at? Because you, you you have to take a critical look at what these things are doing to you and not just, oh, I just want to get the biggest fucking muscles I can and, you know, get shredded and ripped and have a low body fat. Okay, what's it doing to you? So I, I take these tests and I know what to look for. And I know if my liver functioning gets messed up before a show, I know if my HDL is super low. I know that it's probably some compounds that I'm taking to get ready for a show that are doing this. And these aren't things that you want to take year round. Yes, they're going to make you shredded. Yes, they're going to make you bigger. Yes, you're going to feel like a million bucks and, and, and everybody's going to say, oh my God, you're super ripped and you're super this and super that. You know, like we referred to in the last episode, how are your insides look? How is your functioning looking? So when you get on these things, a caveat with them is every four to six months and maybe every quarter, every if you're taking, you know, in, in a show prep or you're getting ready for shows during an entire year or doing multiple shows, you can't keep on these compounds year in, year out w- without fucking yourself up. So you got to, if you take certain compounds like orals and certain things, you know, you scale up to that right before a show and you do that right during a prep. You don't do it year round unless you want to fuck yourself up and and you're looking for problems with your health. And I know I'm ranting a little bit on this, but I'm also passionate about it because I know as an aging bodybuilder myself, I have to look out for these things and I have to pay attention to these things. And I've had red blood cells. You've had hemo, uh, um, hemochromatosis and the high iron thing and the heavy blood. And and this is a common thing. And I, I don't care whether you're a guy or a girl, you can't just go, balls to the wall, pedal to the metal without paying attention to the feedback. Again, what your feedback, what your body's telling you, you may not be able to feel this shit, but it's going to be in your blood labs. So again, yep. you know, uh, take heed to this. And, um, 
I I I forgot where you even left off. Where where did you where yeah, did you no, off? That you just nailed it. That was my next point. You have to have regular blood work. You can't bury your head in the sand. Once you choose to go to the dark side or whatever you want to call that, once you choose to be enhanced, you can't be stupid or you'll face long-term repercussions from that. And that's things like having high blood pressure constantly, which leads to renal failure or transplants or just straight death. Um, And that's not an exaggeration. Like it can, if you abuse it for years and years and years and years on end, you're going to face some long-term health repercussions. Yeah. Some people get out, get out alive and with no issues, others don't. And it could be genetic, it could be whatever. Um, yep. But you can't deny the fact that you're in a dangerous game if you don't get blood work done, if you don't cycle on and off, if you constantly blast for years on end. Not only will it be not as effective because your body loses sensitivity to it, but you subject your heart and all your organs to it. So that's regular blood work. As we talked about in the previous episode, get it done. Don't be dumb. Um the next thing there, in terms of long health, for me, I like to keep regular cardio in with all my clients that are on, but just for heart health. It doesn't have to right. be breaking the bank hit, but just some list cardio three or four times a week. That's going to help you eat more food, I promise. It's not going to burn through muscle. Um, but if you like to do some HIIT, because it's good for your heart and it enables you to train harder, like I like to do a little bit of HIIT per week. And I say, I say a little bit, like maybe two sessions a week, five rounds a session, Um all year long. And that just enables me, in my opinion, to train harder, keep my heart healthy. And then I like some lists too. I get that in the form of dog walks for the most part, unless it's freezing cold and I'll come downstairs and get on the treadmill or bike, or if I'll go to the gym, hit the Stairmaster. Um, so a little bit of cardio, 20, 30 minutes. It also keeps your heart healthy. It keeps you digesting food better at a more optimal rate. And it keeps your body fat levels in check a little bit. Um, as you and I have said a thousand times, don't eat like an idiot. Just don't. If you're going to, and I'm speaking specifically for insulin, that's not something to take haphazardly. You need to know how to use insulin, how to time your carbohydrates. And what people don't realize, insulin is a great storage hormone. It doesn't care if it stores muscle or fat. If you eat garbage on insulin, you will get fat as hell. Yeah. You will gain a ton of water weight. And if you gain a ton of water weight and fat, is that good for your heart? Hell no. So you need to be intelligent, especially if you use something like that. Um, and, and in my opinion, as I've said a thousand times, if you're going to subject your body to drugs and, and, and the health risks that come along potentially with it, you need to do everything in your power to maximize your chance to stay healthy. And yep. that doesn't come from eating Five Guys cheeseburgers. That comes from eating chicken and rice, beef and broccoli, eggs and oatmeal. Trust yeah. me. And, um, and taking your health supplements, I want to chime in on this one because yeah. – with your health supplements, you need to eat five to nine servings of fruits and vegetables a day. You need that cruciferous vegetables, the the antioxidants and the basically the trace minerals and all the things you're getting, essential fatty acids, fish oil, um, things high in EPA. Uh, you can take flax, flax seed. You can take let walnuts. A lot of different things are really high in EPAs. That's also going to ha- help your HDL levels. So the fruits and vegetables, the essential fatty acids, high EPA count, high DHA, fatty fishes. Um, the the good kind of fats are what you want to keep in, and uh, it's super important to take these health supplements um, it, it, along in conjunction with your diet. Uh, and, and, and then, and then follow the tutelage of a uh, respected coaches 
you know, uh, coaches like, you know, um, myself and, and Chris, um, John Meadows, Team Mountain Dog, you know, Matt Porter, Shelby Stern. There are a few coaches, you know, that are well-respected in the industry that will help you out and not mess you up. And you, you got you to gotta pay attention to what they say, but make sure they're not feeding you the wrong information and trying to, because there's coaches out there that will straight up load you with lots of drugs and tell you to take trend and tell you to take orals and tell you to take, you know, three different diuretics and, and, and they have no, uh, you know, they, they don't, they're obviously not caring about your health. They're caring about just short term, how you do on stage. And you got to think of this in like on a long term, uh, of your life, you know, where do you want to be? Where is your physique going to be in 10 to 15 years? Not, not in six months. Because, you know, you with, want- we, we live we live in an Instagram world, man, where everyone's about transformations and look how much muscle I gained in 12 weeks or how much muscle I gained going into a show prep or all this shit. Right. Um, that That is a recipe for disaster. Right. Um, you know, if you put on 40 pounds of stage tissue in a year and you do it again the next year and you do it again the next year, like you have to question how that happened. Um, Unless you're Ronnie Coleman, Phil Heath, that's not normal. Even the enhanced athlete, Um, something's going on. And and sadly, there's a lot of coaches who do not give a fuck about your long-term health. They want those before and after photos. They share those on Instagram and get tons of business off of them. Um, I will never take that approach because Long term, I don't want to risk someone's health to that extreme. Um, right. You do have guys who want to turn pro in two years, and it and you have to do some things that are outside of a comfort zone or what I would consider normal. Um, because at the end of the day, they're paying you to achieve a goal. But at the same time, like you have to kind of talk some sense to them and say, "Hey, what's the difference between two years and ten years, or two years and five years? Like, slow the roll. Let's put in the work, and then let's see what happens." Um, you know, you, you can only put on so much tissue at one time, and it, there's no reason that you should do it tomorrow. <laughs> Slow yeah. and steady progress always wins in this game, I promise you. And plus, to me, if you slowly accrue muscle over the course of 10 or 20 years, that muscle is going to be dense and gnarly. Um, as opposed to, it's a, that I can always spot it, right? When a guy puts on a ton of new tissue, it's not as hard and dug out. It's just not. They're um, puffy. There's a... Yeah, there yeah. are a few individuals can do that, but it's very, very rare um, to get. And everyone talks about that as muscle maturity. Um, and there's something to be said about that. Um, there's a, just it's a different look. It's very what I would consider Dorian Yates uh, is a great example of that. John Meadows is a great example of that. It's just <laughs> crazy hard. Mark and Duckdale. you can't do that. Yeah, oh, another great example. Yeah. You are another great example of that. Um, if you look at like your back, for example, that that shit is dug out and nasty. Right. Um, I would think if you look at my quads, you can tell those are years and years and years of hard workouts that yeah. weren't built in six months. Um, so slow and steady. Um, and then the last thing I think we really have to talk about here is, you know, whether you cycle off completely or you drop down to HRT in a cruise, like kind of a blast cruise. There are pros and cons to each of those. Um, certain people, once you've been on uh, supplements for a long time, 
the the ability to come off is is actually kind of detrimental to your health in the long term. Right. Right. And I don't recommend that. Young kids, I definitely like to get them to cycle off, um, just because they can typically, if you follow a a good PCT um, with some HCG, some Clomid, you know, tapering off of some testosterone, using some anti-estrogens like Novodex or Remedex, um, you can fully come off, re- allow your testes to pr- start to produce testosterone again. Um, but like my older clients, it's silly to take them. You know, if we drop down to say 150 to 200 migs a test a week, they're going to feel better. They're going to uh, keep a better yeah, which body Yeah, which is where most of the clinics, most of the clinics are going to treat you at that level in, yep. in an extended manner. Like they they plan... Mm-hmm. And this is planned for you to do the rest of your life to feel and to be in the optimal ranges and have lack of disease and be healthy. So yeah. that that's, yeah. you know, if you just want it for that and that alone, or even some bodybuilders, you, you take like a Jay Cutler, you know, the guy's in his forties, he's retired. He's not blasting crap anymore. Dorian Yates, but they probably, they, <laughs> no. they, I think they take HRT levels of test to keep healthy and to keep their heart health to keep some yep. level of, of muscle and, and strength. Of course, they're not what they were when we're, they were on stage at Mr. Olympia, but what did it take for them to get to be Mr. Olympia? Right. Oh, yeah. Number one is yeah. genetics. Number two, they are taking higher amounts of probably a couple different compounds to get to that level. But is that is that what you're going to do for the rest of your life? No. Can your body no. handle that? Absolutely not. No. So... Yeah. You know, you got to, you got to think in the long term of, okay, how long am I going to compete for? How, how hard do I want to push this envelope? And then what are the repercussions? Because you need to ask yourself when you get into this world and as you, as you had mentioned the the dark side of doing this, you know, what, what do you, what do you stand to gain? What do you stand to lose? And how long do you want to do it? And then what's your philosophy moving forward in the longevity of your life? So you got to ask yourself these hard, critical questions before you even get into this with a coach. What do I want to do? At what level do I want to be at? Do I just want to optimize my health? Do I want to win a local show, a national show? Do I want my fucking pro card? And do I want to push the envelope? Um, So you got to ask yourself all these questions and then work with a coach to that end. And again, we, you know, we can't speed things up and put 40 pounds of muscle on you, you know, in a year, it's not going to be quality tissue. You're probably going to have high blood pressure. You're probably going to have some health issues. And if you just listen to these bodybuilding boards and follow this crap that that's just being driven onto the internet right now, you're, you're going to fuck yourself up guaranteed that that's going to happen. So you got, you got to be careful. Uh, now what about women? How do you how do you approach? Yeah. Of course, yeah. I think this kind of, this leads us into side effects, in my opinion, um, and I'm going to tie this all together. Hopefully, yep. um, side effects. Let's talk about men first, get those out of the way, and then I can bridge that into females. Um, so, men, what are we thinking about? Um, baldness, acne. Um, if you don't manage your estrogen and progesterone levels, you get that like gyno or puffy nipples or you know, people can refer to those the man boobs, whatever. Um, right. Bitch tits, I think, is what the common term for that is. Um, prostate you know, issues, a large prostate, prostate issues, yeah. right? Um, extreme testicular um, shrinkage. Um, you know, uh, it, it can mess with as you spoke about. Um, it can mess with your sex drive. 
um, and your libido if you don't manage your estrogen properly. If you completely eliminate your estrogen via uh, estrogen blockers, you will have no sex drive. Your ability to get erection will be out the window. You won't even, you know, you could always joke if, if you trash into estrogens pre-contest, you could have the most beautiful woman laying on your bed, completely naked, begging you to come to bed, and you would just be like, "That's time to lift weights now." <laughs> <laughs> you just—it's—you it, 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 don't even think about it. Um, yeah, it doesn't matter how beautiful the women are and how enticing they are. You have no appetite for sex um, if you completely eliminate all estrogen. Yeah. Um, you know, other side effects are going to be obviously the health side effects. So, enlarged heart. Um, high red blood cells, blood pressure. Yeah. High red blood cells. It'll really screw with your, uh, your cholesterol. Um, and then for the, for the most part, as you mentioned, if you run drugs long enough, you, it it is a life sentence to be on TRT if you want to be healthy. Um, so you have to understand if you want to rub one cream or, you know, take a weekly shot or have the pellets driven in your ass, um, to do a, to a time release for three months, you're, you're going to have to do that, and you're going to have to come to terms with that. It's just part of if you want to live large, you're going to have to pay a long-term sacrifice. And so those are really all the side effects I want to think you think about. Um, as far as females, um, you know, what do I do when I have a female who wants to compete, um, who wants to go to the next level, who wants to be, say, a figure or physique athlete, Um we want to do everything at even lesser extent. So please, guys, please, 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 please. I say, guys, I mean, gals, do not take what your boyfriend or husband does. Don't listen to a jackass coach that puts you on trend. Run. If a coach as recommends trend as a female, fucking run. Don't ask for your money back. No longer contact them. Um, you don't need to be running shitloads of testosterone. Um, you just don't. Um, it's very popular to see even the, in the bikini circuit where coaches recommend crazy levels of clean. I'm talking like over 120 micrograms a day, T3 at over 100 micrograms a day, and they wonder why they have these crazy time coming off and rebounding and gaining 40 pounds of fat in a month. Right. Um, you can abuse fat burners and things that modulate your thyroid, and not have long-term consequences from that. You just can't. Um, so, as for most of female, what are the side effects? You see things like becoming more masculine. So, what does that mean? Excess body hair. You might see your mustache or like beard, so to speak, start to become more <laughs> more visual. Um, your jaw will start to square off. Um, and I mean, you will see some sexual side effects. It's um, yeah, as, and that you know. That being said testosterone higher levels of testosterone is much more natural in a male body than it is a female body so you get too high levels of testosterone in a female body you get the virilization uh masculinization uh things and so basically you're kind of getting man-like qualities on a female body which females respond really well to small amount of androgens and like anivar and and so they gain tons of muscle, they get shredded fast, but it's also they have more side effects because it is yep. it is such a pronounced difference in their endogenous production of what they naturally produce. And then they start taking exogenous, you know, orals or or some kind of injects. And usually these are ones that have even a lesser amount of androgenetic 
androgenetic qualities than what guys take. So most women don't want to take much of testosterone, you know, DHEA in a real small amount, but a, a real popular drug in women is Anivar. And, but yep. you take too much for too long and don't go off. Um, you're going to get these, some of these effects and, you know, some, some women's natural production is higher than you take the exogenous more. You're going to get more of these, you know, masculinizing effects. So and, you know, here's a sad thing. So think about all the side effects that I listed from a man, right? The baldness is the only one we can't take back. If you go bald, you just have to shave your head and come to terms with it. <laughs> I right. guess you could get hair plugs but or wear a wig or toupee or whatever those things are called now. I think I just shaved my head and called it a day. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but acne, that can be fixed. Um, I can have gynecomastia surgery. That can be fixed. I can fix right. my estrogen progesterone levels. That's going to fix my nipples. Acne, I can get rid of. Testosterone um, or testicular shrinkage up and down is going to go away. Right. I can fix right. that. I can fix my health markers via a health supplement protocol, going to the doctor, get my levels under normal. All of that can be pretty much reversed. A female, once your jawline squares off and you have a deep raspy voice, that's it's not, not going, going back. back. Right. No, <laughs> you can't reverse that. And so I always feel like women have a much steeper price to pay when they dabble in supplements. Um, when women's bodybuilding was super at its peak popular, um, I, I'll never forget my first Team Universe I ever went to. I saw this massive female bodybuilder, and her voice was deeper than mine, and it was terrifying. Yeah. Um, that's not going back. And, I mean, there's a reason that female bodybuilding now has pretty much erased itself from the physique right. world altogether is it's socially found, frowned upon. It's weird. It's even more of an outcast than the monstrous, you know, massive men's bodybuilding, which is crazy to think about. Because if you look at the, main, uh, uh, the open men's bodybuilding, those just look, those dudes look like superheroes, right? Right. No one's typically the normal Americans not going to look at a female bodybuilder. They're going to go, "Oh my god, what the fuck?" Yeah. Um, and they're going to be taken back by it, which is really interesting, and that's a whole other social dynamic of why it's okay for men to do but not for women. <laughs> because yeah. to me, it's like whatever you're into, fucking attack it. I don't give a fuck. Right. Um, but, you know, it, as I said, women to me have a much steeper price to pay um, in terms of side effects. Now, again, just like with men, some women can use and use and use and still remain super feminine in the face, still have a right. soft, sweet voice. And have no issues, but other women can take a little bit and they just go bananas with side effects. So right. it's all about personalized, just like with men. Everyone responds to drugs differently. Some people more favorably, some people less. So, you know, you just have to pay attention to those. And when they arise, you need to, you need to take heed of that. So that's kind of, to me, I think we covered that in a perfect, that's a great stopping point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Th thanks a lot for listening, guys. Sorry we ran a little bit over on this episode. And uh, stay tuned for the next episode. Thanks from Chris and I.